you know, what has love got to do with it? Got to do with it? What? It, no one? No one can tell me what love is? It's just something we have, right? Just something we do? What, but but what, what is it that we do? If we love someone, what do we do? If you love your mom, do you love your mom? No. What? Whoa! Wow, the, word, the mouths of babes. What do you do for your mom to show her that you love her? You don't know? Do you make your room, or is it messy? Sometimes you make your room. Does that make her happy? No. It doesn't? No. I'll bet it does. What? So what is love? Do you have an idea? Right. Your mom cleans your room because she loves you, right? She doesn't want you to get lost under all of those toys and stuff. So here's the thing. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about this with all your parents in a little bit, but, but just in a very simple way, love is something that we decide to do. Um, and, and here's why I say that. Um, because it, it, love works itself out in action in the things that we do. Um, you know, I would hope that you would clean your room because your mom asked you to and because you love her and you respect her, um, not because you think that she might give you a chocolate sandwich or an ice cream bar after you get done cleaning your room, Right? Um, there was a, a story in the Bible that there was a time when Jesus was talking to some people and these parents brought all of these kids to Jesus and the disciples said, no, no, keep those kids away from Jesus. He's too busy. What did Jesus say? Bring him to me, just like this. They were all sitting around and Jesus is talking to them and he's, they're probably, he's probably bouncing them on his knee, right? And he's telling them jokes and they're laughing. And, and uh, uh, Jesus teaches us about love. And what we're going to learn today, the one thing that your parents are going to learn today is that it's impossible for us to love somebody else if we don't have Jesus in our life. And, and, and let me show you what happens. Um, I've got a little thing here, and I, I didn't clean the water out from first service. I hope it still works. This water represents the world, okay? And this pepper that I'm going to, I'm going to dump in here, which is going to float on the top, this represents people. This is us. Okay? Lots of people in the world, right? Right? And God loves us. And, uh, oops, that's the wrong one. I want this one. Not that one. Alright, so this represents us. Okay, and this represents us with Jesus in our life. Okay, and as we live our life with Jesus, and we're, we're talking and we're interacting with people, what, what do you see that's happening? What's happening? It's, yeah, it's sticking on to it. So when, when we're loving, when, when, when we have Jesus in our life and we're, we're focusing on him and his love is going through us, people want to be around us, right? We're not crabby, well, most of the time, right? Maybe early in the morning when we get up, okay? But, but people want to be around us, right? They're, they're sort of attracted to us. And, and our moms and dads need to remember that too. When we're living our life for Jesus, people are attracted to us. But when we don't live our life with, with our life focused on Jesus, this is what happens. What's happening? 
It's, it's spreading away, isn't it? We re- it's like people don't want to be around us. So it's really important that, that we have love in our life. And the, the only way that we can have love in our life is if we have Jesus Christ in our life. And we need to remember that. So that we, so that we attract people instead of be that person that people don't want to be around and repel them. Right? You got it? Thank you. You guys can go sit with your parents. Oh, hey, Ryan. Come here. Can you can you help me get up off the floor? Oh, thank you. Thank you. I wonder what your answer would was when I said what is love? I mean, it's this huge concept that we talk about all the time, right? We throw it out there, we throw it out there, and we throw it out there. But do we really, do we really know what it is? And, and do we have it? And how do we do it? You see, in our culture, our culture is all screwed up when it comes to love. Our culture has no, no, no idea. And, and, and you see, love, love is so central. Love, love is so much at the core of who we are and who we've been created to be and, and who God is that it's no wonder that Satan does everything he can to screw it up in our minds and in the minds of our culture. That, that we would misunderstand what love is. You see, I am of the opinion that our, cultural, that our culture generally thinks that love and lust mean the same thing. That, that, that love really, really is synonymous to sex. Uh, because every movie... Well, not every, but but in in many movies and many TV shows and many books and all of that that's produced by our culture, um, if it's a love story, especially, it's not a good love story unless the couple ends up in bed together. That's always seems like the culmination of love, and there couldn't be any um, more inappropriate definition of true love than that. Now, when you think about love, what comes to your mind? Is it sex? Um, is it some kind of feeling that you get when you're in your stomach or your heart? Um, is it some kind of action? Is love something that you do? And then to compound matters, we use the word love in a rather loose way in our culture. I'm guilty of this. You know, one, one morning I'll leave the house and I'll tell my wife I love her and then I'll talk to my dad on the phone later that day and I'll tell him that I love him and then I'll be out with Adam and we'll, we'll be eating some of the best Italian cuisine and I will say something like, man, I just love pizza. I do. I love pizza. But hopefully, I don't love my wife the same way I love pizza. And I don't love my wife the same way I love my dad. You see, there are different descriptions for each one of those words. And so even, even you know, those of us who would say that we have a good idea of what love is, we can sometimes mix our, our words and our meanings up. So we, we have to be careful. Um, something that we're taught today in our culture is that if we want to be a loving person, we have to first love ourselves. Have you ever had anybody say that? Um, I'm just really working hard to love myself. I just, and, and, and if I could just learn to love myself, then, then I think I would be able to love people. Uh, you know, once we love ourselves, we're able to love people. Has anybody in here ever heard that? The psychology of today says that. That you've got to first love yourself. But that's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, that's completely contrary to what the Bible teaches. 
So how did we get here? How did we get to where we are today when it comes to love? I'm going to give you a quick history lesson. Okay, there was a gentleman by the name of Augustine, and he was a Christian. He lived in about the 4th century. He came up with the idea that we as people are individuals. Okay, and I thought when I read this, I thought, isn't it curious that up until the point of Augustine, we didn't think that we were individuals. Um, up to the point of Augustine, we thought that we, we gained our identity as who I am uh, within the community that we lived in, within our clan, within our family. You know, even, even our last names, even my last name, when, when my family first immigrated here, right? Um, you know, Anderson was, my understanding was that there were so many people that had the same last name that when they were coming through Ellis Island that they needed to, to pick a different last name. So, well, you're Anderson. So, okay, let's go with that. Anderson and Lundberg, how does that work? That's not, that just doesn't fit. Soderstrom, Soderstrom. I, I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe that's not right. Is that right? Ruthie, do you know anything about Swedish history? I'm sorry. I, I, I digress. Anyway, quick history. Okay. Augustine said we are individuals. Um, we aren't, don't need to be known as, as our kin or our clan or our nation or our beliefs and such thing. We're just individuals. We're, um, we were communities of people, but Augustine wrote his confessions, which was like his diary, and he said, we're individuals, okay? Then another Christian man about the 16th century, century named Rene Descartes, he built on Augustine's teaching, and he taught that we're not just individuals, but, but that we are autonomous individuals. You know, he said, I think, therefore I am. This individual, autonomous independence is what describes us. So, I have my own mind, my own thoughts, my own identity, my own life. Not only am I an individual, I'm an autonomous individual. Then the great theologian from American history, Jonathan Edwards, comes along. Uh, he's a Christian, and he expands this even further. He says, we're not only individuals, we're not only autonomous individuals, we're autonomous individuals who are sinners. But as sinners, we can be transformed and redeemed by God's grace. So God can fix the person, which is right, which is correct. But then we travel a little further along in time, and we come across a man by the name of William James. And if, if you've ever studied psychology, you've studied William James. If you will study psychology, you will study William James. William James said, you know what? Augustine was right. We're individuals. And he said, you know what? Descartes was right. We're autonomous individuals. He said, Edwards has, has it right. We can be, be improved. We can be fixed. We can be better. But William James said that we don't need God in order for that change to happen. He said, those other guys, they got that wrong. We don't need God. This, this can happen through better psychology. This can happen with better therapy. We can be better with science. We can be better without God. We can fix ourselves. Self-esteem, self-improvement, self-help, self-actualization. Sound familiar? Been in Barnes & Noble lately? The self-help section has got to be one of the biggest sections in Barnes & Noble. Then finally comes a man by the name of Rousseau. And what he said is this. We are individuals, autonomous individuals, who can be better. 
We don't need God. In fact, not only do we not need God, but the answer is right here in us. We can do this. You know, this is the hallmark of American thinking, isn't it? If you want to be a good person, look at the goodness in you. If you want to be a loving person, look at the love that's in you. Seek within yourself all the resources that you need to fix yourself and to make yourself into a great person, a loving person, a kind person. So all of a sudden, the trajectory of our eyes has left our Creator, has left our Savior, and, and we have placed it on ourselves. And the answer to all of our problems then is to be introspective and to look at ourselves and to know ourselves and to love ourselves. And once we have healed, once we have healed, once we have done the work and we have loved and we have fixed and we have known ourselves, then we're ready to do good works on the earth. And that's all about me. And that's what our culture says. That's why the pop culture says we can't love unless we love ourselves. We can't love other people until we're in touch with our own goodness and our own love that's within us. And in the Greek text, in the Bible, the, this pop culture philosophy is called hogwash. It's hogwash because it's not there. You don't find this in the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach that goodness is in here. <laughs> that, that the love is in here. That, and, and if I just tap into me, into this, then I can be a loving and good person. No, it's not true. And, and if you're operating that way, and, and maybe you've been operating that way for a long time, you, you can come to the conclusion that it's getting me nowhere. It, it's, it's not accomplishing anything. And so if you would turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, um, we're going to look and see what John has to say about love. We're going to see what the Bible says, what love is and where love comes from. So 1 John chapter 4. Uh, it's, if you didn't bring a Bible, grab one of those in front of the chairs. It's 1,209, page 1,209 in those, in those uh, Bibles. And we're going to start reading in, uh, in verse 7. And in verse 7 of John chapter 4, John says this, Dear friends, dear friends, the, the people that I love, He says, dear friends, let us love one another. Okay, so far so good. We get that. We know that we're supposed to do that. For, he goes on, love comes from God. There it is. You see, James and Rousseau, they're wrong. Love doesn't come from in here. Love comes from God. He is the source of love. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is Love. Now, this is a very important. This is very important. Point number one in your notes is this. God is love. God is love. Now, this is the Christian Sunday School answer, right? God is love. God is love. Uh, maybe you've seen the interstate battery commercial at Christmas time where the little jingle says what the world needs, right, is more of God's love. And it shows a person, you know, helping a little lady across the street, and there's this heart that gets bigger, and, and which is true. It's a great commercial. But what often happens is we get the cart before the horse, and we think that that love, that that love that we're going to bring the world, comes from us when it doesn't. Our source of love is God, our Creator. 
We can't pull this off ourselves. I mean, sometimes we think that, that, that we're a Starship Enterprise captain and we just, we're sitting there, yep, yep, you, you want me to love more? Okay, I will make it so. No, it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. Um, and did you know this? Did you know that, uh, that a God that loves is, is an exclusive Christian concept, that there isn't any other religion in the world whose God loves the people? Uh, Muslims, they pray to God. They use multiple names. Not one of those names for God in, in the Muslim religion is love. In fact, you'd be lucky if you do enough that he might love you. Every other religion is about God being an arbitrary deity or some erratic deity that's angry or mean or vengeful or spiteful. Think about it. You are, you are sitting in church today, in this building, worshiping, looking at, talking about the one true God who loves. The only one who we can get love from. Verse 8 says that God is love. And I want to make a clear distinction here. It says that God is love, not that love is God. Because sometimes I think we do that too. Sometimes I think in our lives, we take what we experience and we project that on God. We think that He is the way that, that we experience life. You know, our husband or our wife treats us a certain way. We think, well, we project that on God and think, well, that's, that's, that's love. That, that, that's what God is like. And that is not the case. In fact, they're, they're completely different statements. God is love and love is God. Sometimes we try to take our own understandings of history and culture and psychology and put them on God. We try to, to, to explain Him or describe Him by, again, what we experience. Think about that this week in your own life as you go through the week. Think about how you think about God loving you. What does that look like on a daily basis? What does it look like for you to love others on a daily basis? Are they similar? Are they different? Love is not God. God is love. So to understand love, we have to start where? We have to start with God. We begin with God. What's He like? What are His attributes? What, whatever God is... That's what love looks like. Now, God doesn't just have love. He is love. John isn't just identifying a quality that God possesses, but is making a statement about God's being. Now, our, our minds are broadened even further when we consider the fact that God is a holy trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Think about that for a while and see if you can figure, get your arms around that one, right? One God, somehow, three persons, and, and at times um, present in those three persons, but still the same God. Some would say that's just ludicrous. I say that's amazing and, and worthy of worship. Let's go look at, look at verse 13. 
John says, We know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. So this Trinity is present right here in this passage. The, the Trinity, God, equals the Father plus Jesus Christ plus the Holy Spirit. Now, we can't grasp the full meaning of the Trinity. Uh, like one theologian said, if you deny the Trinity, you'll lose your soul. If you try to understand it, you'll lose your mind. It's a tough concept. We like concrete solid things. And the Trinity, our Creator, is not that. God is amazing. But what the Trinity does help us to grasp is that at the heart of God is a dynamic interrelationship. You know, some would like to say that, that the reason God created man was because God needed man so that he could love something and his love could be evident. That's pretty arrogant, don't you think? For, for someone to think that, that the reason I was created was, was really for God. You know, he kind of needed me. But, but when we think about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there is no other need of any other being. God is, is, is that perfect unity within himself, giving and taking love. We see Jesus in the Garden of Eden praying to the Father. There's this relationship, this, this interrelationship. So at the very, at God's very nature is, is love. The Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, the Spirit loves the Son, and so on, and so on. So if, if we ever could imagine God as not loving us, we would be denying the reality of who He is. If, if we ever accuse Him of not loving us, we would be disparaging His character because God's love is divine. God is love, and He loves us with free grace, not with a conditional love that depends on the attractiveness or the worthiness of the object, which we can get into thinking that, right? I am such a good person that, if, well, of course God loves me. Of course He would have died for me, right? Because I'm such a good guy. Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. And, and this is where this particular Greek word comes in. John uses here the word agape love. And agape love is a divine love. It's a selfless love that is passionately committed to the well-being of another even when it is undeserving. Maybe you're sitting in here today and you're thinking, I am way more undeserving than anybody else in this room. You're wrong. It's not true. We are all undeserving. We are all undeserving. And God, in His love and grace, um, John, uh, I'm jumping ahead here, but John 15:13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, that He laid down His life for His friends. Okay, yeah, maybe, and I think Jesus said this, maybe someone would lay their life down for a friend. Maybe, maybe somebody would lay their life down for a good person, but what about a bad person? The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
Look at verses 9 and 10. I'll get back. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So God demonstrates his love for us. He doesn't just say he has it. He isn't just it. He demonstrated that. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us, it says. He loved us. Everybody look at me. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Kids never point. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves me. And he didn't just say it. He demonstrated it. Jesus Christ, a person of the Trinity, gave up heaven, confined himself to a human body. Who knows even how that worked? But he did it. For us. For us. Some here this morning are trying to find love in sex. Some here this morning are trying to find love in relationships. That's not Bible love. Some here might be letting people use them because they, th- that other person is saying that they love you. They don't really love you. They're just using you. Many are heartbroken and their lives are devastated because they've been made by God to receive love from Him and yet they are running around looking for love in all of the wrong places, doing all of the wrong things. Think about that. You have been created to be loved by God. And, and if you're running away from that, it, it must be desperately lonely. You see... But if that is you, if that's you here this morning, I've got great news for you. Because you are already loved by God. You don't have to, to, to make any other decisions. Um, it, it, it does, honestly, it doesn't matter. What you do, God is not going to love you any less. You're already loved. You don't need to look any further than Jesus. Now John says that we can love God and that we can love people because we are connected to Christ. That is kind of the qualifier here. We're loved. God showed us His love in Christ. He loves us. He sent His Son, Jesus, as an atoning sacrifice. It's at the core of the gospel. This uh, God made us. He loved us. We screwed it up, but He came. He came to rescue us. How often times do we just let someone flounder because they made a bad decision or a poor choice and we just say, you know what? You're on your own. God didn't do that. <laughs> he didn't do that. 
And having no ability to save ourselves, God did something amazing. And I know you're thinking, I've heard this a thousand times. Well, praise God, we're going to hear it another thousand times and a thousand times over than that. He sent His one and only Son into the world. You see, Jesus came to the earth. (laughs) Over 2,000 years ago, born of a Virgin Mary, He walked the earth for roughly 30 years, and then He performed an even greater demonstration of love than giving up heaven. It was to give up Himself, His life. See, Jesus died and He rose again for us. God said, I love you, I love you. You know what? You're my enemies. You are a rebellious lot. But you know what I'm going to do? Because I am love, I'm going to come save you. And that's exactly what he did. And and we are loved in a way that, that we will spend the rest of our lives figuring out what that really means. What does that really mean? Every day... Every day, I, I, I try to thank the Lord for His love for me. And as I think about that, I think, wow, that's so shallow. Thank you, God. Isn't there something else I could do? Isn't there some other understanding? And, and I pray and I hope that, that, that He will show me. And He has. I see more and more every day. Oftentimes in my experience with other people, the depth of His forgiveness. The depth of His sacrifice. The depth of His love for you and for me. Every other religion, of course, will tell you that your relationship with God begins with you. Right? Once you're good enough, then you're in. Once you do enough good things, then you're in. Once you've earned or merited it, God loves you. The Bible does not teach that. I would hate to see the scales of good and bad in my life. But He came to save me. He came to save you. God beats us to kindness every time, doesn't He? (laughs) He was there first. And because He was, we are able to. Let's look at, at the last part of our passage today. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You see, God gives us his love to share with one another. But we can't get the cart before the horse. We have got to focus ourselves on Jesus and in focusing ourselves on Him, that love then reflects out of us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to, to love other people. I mean, really, honestly, think about, think about your life when somebody has made you angry, when somebody has done something to hurt you, how you felt. You wanted to get even, you wanted to hurt them back. Maybe it was even a spouse. You want to hold something over their head. But, but, but and, and, and only if you're focusing on yourself does that occur. As a Christian, if you're focusing on Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he has for you, as you look at that other person, you begin to see them as Jesus sees them. And the more we love Jesus, and I believe the Bible teaches this, the more we love Jesus, the more we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to love each other. In fact, 
there comes a time in our life where there is more love, there is more thoughts of love and grace towards that person than, than the other. It, it's almost, I think, I think love becomes like a breath or a blink of the eye. You know, you can, you can consciously not blink your eyes for a period of time. But if you don't think about, you don't have to think about blinking your eyes, right? Now you are, of course. But through, throughout the course of the day, I don't know how many times you blink your eyes. It has a purpose. It's not just some random, you know, schizophrenic thing your eyes do. It has a purpose. But you don't have to think about it. And I think as we focus on Jesus Christ, and we love Him because He loved us first, we don't necessarily have to think intentionally as much about loving other people because it's going to flow out of us as we focus on Him. And that's what I want to leave you with here this morning. Empowered, um, God gives us His love to share with one another. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we know and we rely on God's love. And we are able to love because He first loved us. If you're here today and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, love, uh, love is difficult for you. Love is difficult for all of us. But in Christ, there is even greater potential for love and genuineness, a genuineness of that love. You know, I can do things for Adam because I want something from him. Or I can do things for Adam because God loves me and I've experienced that love and I want to pass that love on to someone else. So as we close, I want you to think of a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a roommate, a fellow college student, a student at school who you know as much as you could know. Of course, we can't all judge another man's heart, but that they're lost, that they're in darkness. And 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 I want you to consciously consider this week Loving that person. But not because you want to get... You know, honestly, not, not even because you think that it would be a good idea to convince them that they should give their life to Jesus Christ. But because Jesus loves you. And His love is flowing through you. Love that other person. And, and I pray that, that you get the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Because honestly... We've got to remember that without Christ, our eternity is going to be in hell. A good friend of mine, his father-in-law passed away last week and he tried 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 and he tried, and he tried to convince him, to tell him how much Jesus loved him. And, and almost the last breath that this man spoke was, I don't need your God. And, and you may have people like that in your life, but I would guess that you have dozens of other people who are just wandering through life thinking that it's okay, and maybe they don't even know that Jesus loves them. And, and I would pray that as a church, that, that we would be a church that loves God and, and that we have the order correct. That, that we love Him because He first loved us. And, and knowing that, we stay focused on Him, and in living our life every day, 
we love those around us. Such a good challenge for the week. Let's love those around us, not because we're good at it, not because we're, you know, all that, but because we're focused on Jesus and we begin to see people with his eyes. We begin to see the needs that they have. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for... Thank you for your love. Oh, what a sacrifice you made for us while we were yet sinners. Those who were leading the church in your day wanted you dead. And you died for them. You died for the centurion who drove the nails, who beat you. You died for us. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that's struggling with loving themselves, there's lots of things they don't love about themselves. Lord Jesus, we can't just turn that around ourselves. I pray pray for them this morning that they would see your love. And that as they truly get a handle on how much you love them, they would then see that, that, that they are just like you wanted them to be. In their mother's womb, you knit them together. I pray, Lord, that as a church family, as the body of Christ, that as we live our lives this week, we would, number one, remain focused on you as our Savior, as our God, and that that would flow out into the lives of those around us. In the form of love, the core of who you are. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as the servers are going to come forward and take us this morning's offering, I want to encourage you that if you're a visitor here, uh, please just let the plate pass. This is an opportunity for...